Good morning. Why don't you stand and join us for worship? Thank you, God, for this morning. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We trust you. Thank you. You are so good. Fight for me. 
good amen. Aren't you glad that he's always faithful? Father, we lift you up in this place this morning. We thank you for who you are, the things you've done in our life. God, that you have always been faithful. That when we can't see it, when we can't feel it, we have your word that is true. And your word promises that you'll never leave us or forsake us. So God, we thank you that in the lowest of lows, you've always been there to pick us up. And that in the highest of highs, it's your name that we shout to rejoice. No matter the situation, God, the name of Jesus is the answer. Father, we thank you. We speak life to every situation in here this morning. You know what we're all going through, God, better than anyone else. So we speak life. Life to each heart, life to each situation. Do what only you can do, God. The power of that name of Jesus. You're the one that makes the difference. So God, we honor you, we bless you, and we thank you for faithful you are, faithful you've been, and faithful you ever will be. We give you all the praise and all of the glory. Come on, and all God's people said, come on, give the Lord a shout this morning. Aren't you grateful? Would you turn, shake hands with somebody? Let them know you're glad they're here. God is good. Congratulations, you braved the California tundra. 55 degrees and you made it to church this morning with your parkas and your scarfs and your hoodies and everything else to, to make us California winter. This is about as close as we get. So let's enjoy it while it's 55 degrees. Enjoy the briskness of the morning uh, while the rest of the country is uh, locked in their homes in the snow. Ha ha, um, we are glad you're here with us this morning. Welcome our online visitors as well. Uh, if this is your first time with us, or if you just have anything that you want to uh, make us aware about as a church uh, in your life, there's prayer requests, things like that. Get connected more with us. There's some connect cards in the back of the seats there in front of you. Feel free to fill those out. Drop them in the offering bucket as it comes by this morning. Anything. If it's a prayer request that you have, if you just want to get connected to some more groups here at the church, or if you just want to introduce yourselves, please feel free to grab those as well. Uh, Family, I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but our church just is celebrating our 38th anniversary this year. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I had uh, Ryan put up a few pictures, so I don't know how much you guys know about me or, or whatnot. And I, it's not about me, but it's about the faithfulness of God in this church and its pastors. That's my family way back in the day here at this church. Uh, what is that one? Okay, that's you. That was kids camp. All right, there's me. Look at look at bleach tips, Nick. You see that? That's me. Look at the freeze that one. That's our Word of Faith basketball team. That's uh, my wife getting baptized here. Myself and my dad all on the same day. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> 
What else you got back there? Oh, I think that's one of my kids getting baptized. That was last October. That's Chase, my oldest one, getting baptized. And I think the other one that you couldn't see underwater because she's tiny is Carson. That might be her right there. There she is. In all those baptism pictures, you know, you know what I see. That's consistent all the way through other than the baptismal that's been there. It's Pastor Mike. There he is. Look at that. That's Chase when she was little. <laughs> Our youth group, Nerf War, look at that. Some fun memories over the years. Ryan and Katie and I in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was good food that day. The next generation of world changers right there at VBS. My daughter and wife getting to watch me worship. <laughs> my little one helping at the office. That's my dad leading youth camp. Adam Webb down in the left corner there. <laughs> More VBS. Guys, I'm showing you this not to, not to brag about our family or anything like that, but there's been one thing that's been consistent in my life since the day I was eight-year-old. It was this church. That's from 2002, that last picture there. That was the first time I sang in this auditorium on this stage. But God has been so faithful. And as we celebrate 38 years, that doesn't happen by accident. There's church startups all over the place. They last a couple years and they fall apart. And where they fall apart is in the leadership. Right? If God hasn't called you to it and if you choose not to stick to it, it's not going to last. And Pastor Mike and Beth have told you over and over, this, spirit, this church is God-breathed. That's the church that cannot die and will not die because God is in it and God is always faithful. So we serve a good God and we serve a pastor and we're under the leadership of a pastor and his wife who have been ever faithful to this church, its people, and to their God. So Pastor Mike and Beth, we love you and we thank you so much for your service and dedication to all of us. It's fun to look around and see generations. Uh, my dad brought us here. I'm here. My kids are here. Uh, Charlie, I know your daughter was raised here with me. Now your grandkids come as well. Mark and Cynthia, same thing with you guys. It's amazing. The faithfulness of God. And when you, when you put your family where God has planted a church and where you're supposed to be planted, you grow and you flourish there. And I'm forever grateful for what God has done here through Foothill Family Church and his pastors. Amen. Well, now that we're done that, kids, you can go. You can get out of here, youth group. We have youth going on today. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, our 55 plus, that's, you know, our 55 plus is the group to be in. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost there, but I'm excited. They hang out. They go to food today after church. They're headed down to Wahoos. If you have any questions about that, you can see uh, Joe and Star Savage or ask me. I know where all the food spots are too. I can give you the right directions down there. But be sure to join them after church today, uh, the 55 plus group. Uh, there's no top end of that. So go hang out. You can be part of that group until Jesus calls us home, you know? Um, Men's ministry tomorrow night, we will be here at 6.30 meeting uh, in the fellowship hall. Uh, we have a great time of, of hanging out, of fellowship, and then we get into the word and some discussion as well. So uh, if you haven't ever been part of that, we invite you to start the new year with us. We meet every third Monday um, of the month. Not, not every three Mondays, but you know what I mean. The third Monday of every month is when we meet. So come join us tomorrow night at 6.30 here at the church. And I think that is all that I have for you guys today. Uh, we wanna give you an opportunity to give. Isn't it good to be able to give? 
the Bible says we love because he first loved us. It says it's better to give than to receive. And I think how much God has given us. What are you holding on to? What are you worried about? When he is your provider, when he is your source, how could we not but worship with our tithes and offerings? So we wanna give you that opportunity. If you need any help, uh, that these gentlemen can serve you as well. But family, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for, your, for who you are, your faithfulness. Thank you that we have the opportunity to give and give with cheerful hearts. You've blessed us so much, God. When we stop to think about the things we've been through, the things that you've brought us through, we see your hand all over it. How could we not but be grateful? So Father, take these tithes, take these offerings, multiply them, bless them, send them out through this earth to accomplish your will, your plans, and your purposes through your people. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when you've been given the opportunity to give, would you join us for this last song?
you we magnify your name we thank you for all that you've done for us father but we thank you that the best is yet to come 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Well, let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God is telling us that every victory we have is going to come through the Spirit. Zerubbabel was in charge of the rebuilding of the temple, the second temple. And there were a lot of obstacles in his way. There were people, there were enemies, armies that would stand up to keep them from accomplishing their purpose. And I'm sure we're all alike in this regard. I think every one of us would prefer for God to just disappear our enemies and whatever problems stand in the way, stand in our way. It'd just be so simple for him just to wipe everything out that was in opposition to his church. But it doesn't work that way very often. Not by might, not by military might or strength, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, let's look again at some things that the Bible says about the anointing. You recall the, uh, the story in Second Chronicles chapter 20. When the five enemies came out against Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, and Jehoshaphat prays one of the all-time great prayers of the Bible, and the Lord spoke through a prophet and declared that they wouldn't have to fight in the battle, that the fight, the, the fight was not theirs, it was the Lord. And the next day, they came out to go face their enemies. And it says in verse 22, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushment. And they all destroyed each other. They got to fighting among each other and destroyed them. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now we use this primarily, we use this scripture when we're talking about healing and the healing anointing 
But that's not the only place where we can expect the anointing of God, the empowering nature of God to work on our behalf. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has, anointed, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, tradition tells us that the synagogues, I don't think they do this anymore, but I, I'm really not sure. Maybe they do. But there was a, a a chair, a special chair that was placed in the synagogue. And that chair was saved for the Messiah the Old Testament prophets and it was reserved for the Messiah and that tradition tells us that after Jesus read from the, the words of Isaiah notice verse 20 and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears now folks just think for a minute we don't know for sure as I said but just imagine what it would have been like for Jesus to have sat down in that chair, that chair. it says all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him Something had happened that they're aware of that brings their attention to Jesus in a much different way than they would give attention to anybody else. Now, what has Jesus done? Jesus has claimed to have the anointing of the Spirit of God on him. Now, the word anoint means to rub on or to smear and that had to do with the anointing of the king and the prophet and so forth. But the purpose for the anointing is empowering. If somebody is anointed, they are empowered. So where Jesus reads from Isaiah 61, what we know of as Isaiah 61, he said, the spirit of the Lord has empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Folks, we can conclude that Jesus is empowered to do two things. One is to preach and or teach and the other is to heal the sick. The answer to life's problems is in the Word of God. Every situation that we encounter, every circumstance, adversity, or trouble, the answer or the means to overcome that trouble is always God's Word. But God's Word is, in, is designed to trigger that anointing, that empowering, empowering force that God has provided to deliver us. Let's keep reading verse 22. And I all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Now Mark chapter 6 tells us that when Jesus was in Nazareth, he could there do no mighty work. It doesn't say that he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. He could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sickly folk, a few folks without much wrong with them. And he marveled at their unbelief. So if we put these two stories together, Jesus declares to be anointed to preach and or teach and anointed to heal, anointed or empowered over sickness and disease. But the people failed to receive of the anointing that Jesus said was on him. So the word of God is your answer. But if you're going to take hold of the word of God, you're going to have to exercise faith just like Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah they got the word of victory but now it was up to them to do something about it God has made his will plain and simple before them or unto them but they had to do something about it from their end so when they began to sing and to praise that's when the Lord said ambushments. That's when their victory came into fruition because they've got the word of God that cannot fail. And they exercised faith in what God had said. Now this is the same situation that's available to the people in Nazareth that are 
talked about in Luke chapter 4. And the thing that throws them off is their lack of understanding. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? We grew up with this guy. This is Joseph's son. They didn't recognize the importance of their faith. Look with me to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was a Gentile and he had been praying seeking God and an angel appeared to him and told him to send to a certain place for Peter that he would come down and tell them words whereby they could be saved. So in Acts chapter 10, it tells us that he, they come to Cornelius' house and Peter begins to preach to them. But I want you to notice what his preaching included. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He empowered him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Here's Peter's preaching. The first time and the only time. To Cornelius and his household. And his friends and family. Peter recognized the anointing of Jesus. As being. Important enough. To include it in his in his preaching, I'm not sure what Peter's intent or goal would have been for this meeting at Cornelius' house, but he's certainly gotten there through supernatural means because the day before he had fallen into a trance. And had heard from God that he was supposed to go with these men to Cornelius' house. But he doesn't know what to, what to expect. At this point, up to this point, they weren't expecting Gentiles to be accepted into the church the way that God did. And so Peter in telling about Jesus, in describing the, the ministry of Jesus, he talks about how he was anointed. He recognizes the importance of the divine empowering means of being anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Let's look at a certain example, a certain story where somebody took hold 
of the empowering characteristic of Jesus and received her healing. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood dwelt 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now notice in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she heard something about Jesus that prompted her to take action. And that action was to come to touch Jesus' clothes. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Notice the word virtue in verse 30. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. This is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's talking about explosive power that changes something. So she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus knew that power had gone out of him. And turned around in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. It's interesting there where it talks about she, uh, in fear and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. What's she fearing and trembling about? She's already received the healing. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus' new power had gone out of him. And we looked at this a little bit last time, but we want to look a little further. The anointing power of Jesus, there are certain characteristics we can identify. One of the things that we can see readily is that Jesus' clothes saturated that anointing power to such a degree that it became the, trans, the area or the ability of transmission from Jesus to the woman with the issue of blood. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. There's a possibility for a different interpretation or understanding. She was fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. She can't be afraid of losing what she just received. 
But it's possible that this multitude, the disciples called it a multitude, it's possible that this multitude that throngs around about him Jesus is looking for a woman, a person that touched him and touched him in a significant manner. The disciples said that the multitude was crowding around him on every hand and everybody that can get within arm's reach is reaching out to touch him. Well, if everybody's trying to touch him, then why is she the only one that gets anything? She's the only one in the story that we have record of that expected to receive anything, or we might say it this way, or touched him with a purpose. Everybody there is reaching out and trying to take hold of something. I have no doubt that there was more than this one sick woman in the crowd. So you may have somebody, there may have been people that were reaching out to touch him, take hold of his clothes. But because they didn't do it in faith, they're just trying things out to see how it works. They didn't receive anything. Matthew chapter 14 and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought into him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Mark chapter 6. Verse 54, and when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered in villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch him, touch if as it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Folks, these are crowds of people that respond to Jesus being in their area by searching out for the sick and transporting them to where Jesus is going to be. Now look at the difference in these multitudes and the multitude in Mark chapter 5 concerning the woman with the issue of blood. The multitudes in Genesaret, and if you look at the map, Genesaret is about five miles from Capernaum. So this could be what Jesus was speaking to the, the people about in Luke chapter 4. Their unbelief kept them from receiving the anointing 
that was on Jesus that broke the bond, bondage of sickness and disease. Luke chapter 6. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went power out of him and healed them all. So you've got some cities that are like Nazareth that refused to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, irrespective of the miracles that took place, irrespective of the miraculous healings that they had heard of and were certainly aware of because Jesus in Luke chapter 4 said, I know what you want me to do. You want me to do the same things here I did in Capernaum. But in Capernaum they believed to the degree that they went out and found six people. They found the sick in every quarter. Everywhere they could find out about them they instigated their transportation to get from where they were to where Jesus was. Folks, imagine what that would be like. Everywhere you look is sick people. Every open air location that they knew Jesus would be. They'd been bringing the sick there even before Jesus came. And the, the ways that they describe, the Bible describes the results that took place. Luke six nineteen, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue or power out of him and healed them all. Straightway they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered in villages or city or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch as it were, if it were but the border of his garment, as many as touched him were made whole. Luke uses the phrase perfectly whole. They were made perfectly whole. I love that phrase, perfectly whole. So we see that this anointing power, healing power, saturates the clothes of Jesus 
to such a degree that people just touch the hem of his garment in faith, then they receive. But the reverse is true too. If they fail to exercise faith in the things Jesus said, specifically the anointing that was in him and on him and saturates the clothes that he's wearing. I've had a couple of experiences over the years with the anointing. I worked with Brother Hagen several years and he had a special healing anointing that Jesus had given to him. And when that anointing, well, the way that that anointing would be tapped into or could be transmitted to the sick, Brother Hagen had to do some specific things to make that anointing, to set that anointing at work. He had to tell everybody that Jesus had appeared to him and had laid the finger of his hands in Brother Hagen's hands. And after he told these are things that Jesus told him that he had to do. And after he told about the vision that he had and the anointing that was given to him, the people had to believe that it was true in order for it to be into work. So I had been in, in services hundreds of services when Brother Hagen would tell about the vision and what Jesus told him and what the anointing that he had been given would do and so forth. There were times where Brother Hagen would lay hands on people and say, there it is. And he was talking about the anointing. He would tell people when the anointing would leave his hand and go into their bodies. Before we started the church, we made several trips overseas to minister to different churches, sometimes conventions. And there was one time, first time we'd been into France, and there was a, a, a Bible study in a lady's house in the city of Nice. And this Bible study, there was, uh, there, 
were less than 20 people at this Bible study. And I ministered on faith and healing. And it was just a, a small group. But there was this guy that they brought to me. He had gotten hooked on drugs. And because of the sharing of the needles and the, uh, the unsanitary conditions associated with that, this guy had gotten hooked on drugs and he had contracted the HIV virus. Now, I don't speak French, and everything we was doing was through an interpreter. Sometimes they're interrupters. Just depends on where you are, I guess. But they were trying to explain to me this guy's situation. And somehow or another, we just didn't connect. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know what he was asking to be prayed for about other than just healing for his body. So I just pretty quickly laid hands on him. And when I did, I felt something go out of my hand into him. Well, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I was familiar with it, how it worked with Brother Hagen. And so I wasn't all that alarmed. But I was aware that something had gone out of, uh, gone out of my hands into his body. We found out later that uh, this guy went home and when he woke up the next morning, he was free from the drug addiction and the HIV virus. His whole family wound up getting saved as a result. And his family became an integral part of the, of the, the church that began from that Bible study. There was another time in the early days of the church, probably, well, we'd probably been here for five years or so. And this guy had uh, problems with his kidney and he had a, a kidney transplant and his body was rejecting the kidney that he received. And so he came up after a service. He wasn't very faithful to the things of God. He really wasn't living with God to much degree at all. And I knew enough about the family situation that I had made my own conclusion about what he would get. 
when I saw him coming up to be prayed for, I thought, he's not going to get anything because of some of the circumstances that I was aware of. So he came up, and before I laid hands on him, I asked him what he received. Well, he knew the right things to say. So I laid hands on him, and something jumped from my hands into him. I didn't even have my hands on him when I felt something leave my body and go into him. And from that moment, whatever had been a hindrance that was causing rejection of his body to the new kidney, whatever it was, was removed. He never had any more trouble with his kidneys and the kidneys that he had served him throughout the rest of his life. Now why does the Bible give us these stories about the anointing? It certainly isn't for us to make a name for ourselves. The real importance in my thinking about Jesus telling Brother Hagin to tell about the vision and the things that the Lord said to him is to keep us from taking credit or trying to take some of the glory for what was done. Those two examples I told you about produced bigger results than just the healing of their bodies. And maybe that's why it works the way that it does. There are certainly some situations where the sickness is of such a manner that it would take a greater anointing to break the yoke. But you've got a comparison between the people of Genesaret who go looking for sick people to bring to Jesus compared with Mark chapter 5 where there's only one person out of the multitude that gets anything from God no matter how many people are touching him. There may have been hundreds of people at that time 
that were reaching out to touch him, that made contact with the anointing power of God, but didn't receive it. So maybe we could say the anointing breaks the yoke and can be accessed by faith whether it's in a small crowd or as an individual on their own. The woman with issue of blood was the only one that received anything because she's the only one that touched him in faith. But there's a corporate anointing too. I think in Genesaret, that would be the greatest example that we could use or give where a whole city full of people went searching for the sick. Their attitude and their action just blows me away. They went searching out for the sick. They got them, those men, however many of them there were, those men got the sick to Jesus specifically because they were expecting healing and miracles, healing results. So whether it's one or whether it's a crowd, the anointing that's resident on Jesus now is the anointing that we have because we believe in him. Jesus said, those that believe in me, the works that I do shall you do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. Well, then that would mean that the anointing would be present all the time to some degree or to some measure and can be freely accessed by the simple action of faith. To believe what you hear about the power of God to heal, hear about from his word I'm talking about, whether it's one or whether it's a multitude. I'm sure we take for granted too many things that really should be working more visibly in us and in the church. What I mean by that is in the church, whether we're here or outside. The measure of power that was upon Jesus enabled the multitudes to be healed, every one. 
Look with me to Acts chapter 19. Verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Here we see another example of the healing power of God that saturates clothing, the handkerchiefs and the aprons. John Lake was a man that was greatly used of God, had tremendous Success in dealing with the sick, ministering to the sick. He said that electricity is God's power in the natural realm. But faith is God's power in the supernatural realm, the unseen, invisible realm. So the special miracles that take place in Paul's ministry here in Ephesus goes back to the same truth that we spoke about earlier and that truth is that the power of God is transmissible and it saturates And holds to certain types of materials. We don't ever see anybody laying hands on a rock because, just as rocks are not trans transmitting substances for electricity, the same holds true. when it comes to the healing power of God as well. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now it doesn't say anything about the anointing specifically. It doesn't tell us how the anointing performed the works. It doesn't tell us if the people who were delivered and set free, whether it worked as soon as they touched the garment or touched the cloth materials, or if it happened in a gradual process process it just simply tells us that the anointing that was on Paul was transmitted to others through these handkerchiefs and aprons
But Jesus clearly expects those things to work through us too. Much as in the same intensity or by the same method. You remember in Mark chapter 16, Jesus commissions the church He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Notice it doesn't say they shall go and pray and fast for a long time before they lay hands on the sick. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he clearly intends that the life of God, including the healing power of God, would be on the ready. Just as Jesus, on occasion, was interrupted from something that he was going to do by someone that comes to him. I think we have a tendency to look at the supernatural and the powerful things of the unseen realm and somehow we don't expect it to either be in operation or be in operation very long. But you see, Jesus dealing with multitudes, healing every one. There was no shortage of power. And there was no limit on what God would do for people because if they were made perfectly whole, that would be the same for people that had just a little bit wrong with them to some of the most crippling and devastating injuries or conditions that we could know about. God's a lot more into healing than we are. I don't know how you see yourself, but I think I'm pretty much into healing. But the multitudes were healed, every one. Father, we ask for boldness to speak your word by stretching forth your hands to heal. 
and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. Jesus, your word says you're coming back for a glorious church. Well, if it's a glorious church, then it means it's going to have to be a church of power. A church of healing power. Because you made a big deal about healing when you were here. And you healed the multitudes. So, Father, we call for special anointings. We call for the anointing power of God to be in manifestation to a great degree, to a high intensity, and to a frequent and holy purpose. Make us like the people of Genesaret, Lord. who believed in you, in your earthly ministry to such a degree that they went searching for the sick, that they might be healed. Make us like them, that we might be able to see your power in manifestation to bring multitudes of people into the kingdom of God. So we thank you, Father, for giving us boldness. We know you hear us whenever we pray. So thank you for hearing us and for making us the glorious church that Jesus would be proud to come get. Thank you, Father for guiding us into your perfect will. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Folks, we, we're going to need to grow in this. There are things that we know about, and that's good for what we know. But I believe that God wants us to operate on a higher level than what we are. Now, what does that mean? I have no idea. That's why we're going to have to grow and learn. Say it with me, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Thank God his healing mercy endures forever.
Amen. Lord, we're going to hold you to that. Teach us. Teach us the things that we don't know. Show us the things that we don't see. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We serve a good God. Hallelujah. Well, folks, that's all I got. Have a wonderful day.